Hey guys, welcome to episode 42 of the JV Club with Erin Hayes. I want to overpronounce the second N in her name with Erin Hayes uh, from Children's Hospital and many other wonderful programs and films. Um, we had a delightful time together. I got to be honest with you, it feels like that uh, recording happened two to three months ago. In fact, it was just a couple of weeks ago, but it has been a wonderful holiday break. Uh, although I felt very strange about uh, an episode not airing last week. And I apologize for those of you who, I mean, I don't want to say I ruined your Christmas, but I think it's entirely possible. Many of you are uh, still inconsolable about an episode not coming out. I hope that this uh, does the trick. I hope you get your fix. And I need to apologize. Everybody knows I love apologizing for things. Um, I need to apologize because uh, at the for the first 10 minutes recording this episode with Aaron, I don't know what happened if like my knee bonked against the microphone, my, my uh, faithful duet apogee uh, mixer or what, or maybe a dog did it. But um, I... Th- Aaron was so blown out and so loud for the first 10 minutes and uh, and I'm and I'm at a normal level and I did finally realize what was going on like 10 minutes in but um at the beginning it's a little bit uh it might be a little bit hard to get through and as if to make matters worse we're talking about really sensitive stuff because we recorded uh the day after the shooting in Connecticut which um is just one of the worst things that's ever happened in the history of the United States so um, there's, a there's some talk, uh, about that, uh, something that we were both kind of processing and, uh, I hope we handled it sensitively and, um, I hope it's okay too that, you know, we moved on from that and, and had a, a pleasant chat. Um, no disrespect to, uh, the events in question. Uh, I hope that, uh, if any of you were touched by that in a personal way that you are, um, that you're getting by and that, uh, everyone who's listening is celebrating a good new year and that this finds you happy and healthy. Please feel free to reach out, say hello. I'm going to read some shout outs. Uh, I'd like to shout out an Aaron J who, uh, very much enjoyed Vanessa's mash game. Um, Curtis, also enjoyed Vanessa's mash game. Juicy Melon Jim, uh, struggling writer, crispy, radical mon, cat's meow, Michael M, Elena, Emma, Toria, Andrew D, crispy, sent a lovely email, Michelle M for your lovely email, Jenny S on Facebook, Mike H on Facebook, uh, some more Twitter folks. We've got, uh, Gabe, Kyle B, Regina, Admiral Giggles, you know I always love being able to call you out Admiral Giggles because it's uh, like you belong to the Laugh Army. Um, Mary Van Note uh, said something very nice on Twitter, and I just want to point out that Mary is a fantastic comic uh, performer in her own right. So Mary Van Note, I'm naming you full name for anyone to check you out. Uh, Eddie, Liz, Mrs. Gray, and Brian H. also on Twitter. Thanks, guys. This is a very long intro. There's more to be said about Sketchfest, Cora, and the like, but I am going to leave it for another time. And I bid you welcome into episode 42. Talk to you soon. Bye. Now entering Nerdist.com.
All right, we're jumping right in. We're jumping right in because if there's All something right. I've learned, it's that, and uh, you can hold the mic sort of, oh. if, you, if you can. Yeah, if you I can. can. Okay. This is things like, these are things I can do. I mean, I, mean, I know you can't, <laughs> but I mean like if it doesn't feel too weird. Um, hopefully you'll get used to the idea, or you won't, and it'll just be terribly, terribly awkward the entire time with the, with the microphone. Ooh, yeah. holding I'm just going to hold it to the side. Manner. I love it. Um, I, you know what? Because we already started talking about this kind of stuff that's been going on, and um and uh and anticipating whatever the conversation was going to be and it just felt like ah, let's just get into it and do it on the podcast and see how we feel about it and guys just to to frame it up for you um and i'm sorry to have to start on a sad note but but uh as you know from the podcast we talk about uh whatever's on our minds and unfortunately we are recording this podcast the day after the shooting in connecticut which uh, yes aaron and i were both just saying you know, we're both feeling really yeah. fragile. And I said I, apo- fragile. I will apologize if I get weepy because with that and then that, that those those times where your womb conspires against you <laughs> to make things extra weepy and having a, having two kid, young kids and one in kindergarten and as I don't know if it's true, but what I read was that like he walked into a kindergarten classroom and i don't know i just it's it hit me really it's hitting me hard i think that's uh, i think a lot of people are feeling that i think um obviously a lot of parents are feeling that in a very unique way um yeah you know not since columbine i don't think has anything been and columbine of course being high school and so this is just this just feels like yeah it feels, it feels like a like punch in the gut. Down the road, and it's getting worse and worse. Like it's, we're going further and further down the road of darkness, and that I think is what. Well, the fact that since so Columbine, there have been thirty-one school shootings, yeah. and we have done nothing legislation-wise to prevent these things. And people say it's not a gun issue. Like, no, it's not solely a gun issue. It's. But that's one aspect of it. So, and that's something that our legislators can do something about and should do something about it's but there are other issues there are issues of how we treat are the mentally ill in this country and but the fact that they can have access to guns is an issue it which makes it again a gun issue but it, the media has been i don't know it's gross to me the fact that this is now a viable option in our society for crazy people to find their platform because you know that we're going to keep saying these fuckers names we're going to everybody wants to know why they did it Let's so it gets into their we can about them as people so that we can come to understand it better and in, right? in the meantime make them the, famous and to your point to, like yeah if they leave sick. behind the, like diaries about the reasons why the media is going to tell everybody so that it does exactly what these horrible people want it gives them a platform and it makes it a viable option and we need to take we need to address that and take away that option for them i agree that's gross I agree. and they, they were interviewing children yesterday like oh. i don't know the even the like the NPR, who we tend to think of as a very respectful uh, news agency with integrity, and then they go and interview kids. Yeah, mom. I don't know what the. This is the thing. I mean, I, you probably don't. You actually may not know this because I don't know how much we've talked about, like just what hmm. I've been doing for the past few months. But I've I've been working for the Huffington Post, doing this online thing, and these guys all know about this, so I won't bore them overly with it but i'm sort of working in a news organization now okay um, 
And it's a real struggle because there is, I don't like what I, what we do, um, is a little bit less like sort of ripped from the front page and a little bit more kind of like perennial conversations with people, with community members. Um, it's not like, we're not going out to like, like stop someone on the street and have a conversation. We're inviting people in to be a part of like a Google hangout where I'm in a studio and these people are all part of the conversation on their laptops. Okay. Um, from wherever they are. So, you know, they, we're asking them, like, do you, like, we're saying we're looking for somebody who's had this experience. Do you want to talk about it in this sort of like community environment? And people, I don't know. Like, it, it, it we talk about it all the time, like that fine line when we see something like that that feels gross, that feels like, oh, you went out on the street and like, ask an elementary school kid what it was like, you know, but at the same time, people want to know and have this hunger to, un- to understand. To understand. Yeah. And it, it is, it's a really fine line and it, it's, it's hard to know. Like you don't want to feel like you're exploiting information for eyes to look at you. Yeah. But you also want to feel like you're creating a, an environment in which people can, I mean, at least what we're, we we're trying to do ostensibly is to like create an environment where people can talk about how they feel about it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, that's a good thing. It's really tricky. It's a tricky, tricky line. It is about what should be done and what is being done and, and the news and what kind of has to be done to fill 24 hour news stations. Yeah. There's not that, you know, there were things to talk about it, but it, when it gets into over talking about it, you're giving, you're just finding out every morsel of information you can because you have so much time to fill. Report what's important and let the rest be. Let families, let communities deal with the rest. Not everybody needs to know every single information. I would love it if they never public, publicly said these people's names. Yeah. That's what I'm, um, that's when, when the, the shooting happened. It, um, at the movie theater and you know, everybody was sort of talking about like that. I just remember that got said a lot. It was like, we're all going to remember his name. Nobody's going to remember the victim's names. Yeah. There's a part to like not remember his name and only remember the victim's names. I there is a part of me and I thought a lot of, I was thinking about it on the drive over trying, trying to get myself in a better mood as I stopped thinking about that. I, I want to see a list of these children's names of these people's name. I want to read it and to, like honor that that little life in some <laughs> yeah that it feels so uh, like that you get I feel so useless and all I've done is like smother my children with hugs and <laughs> and I think useless. that and that's not useless that's something that is a very important thing and I hope that and I ugh I get I have these horrible thoughts going through just to wake up and to not have your children is so terrifying unnatural. It's truly the most physiologically unnatural thing that uh, a species can experience. I think or at least human, human beings It's like, it's the most unnatural thing to be a parent, to bring life into the world and then to lose that child. It's just, you know, it's difficult when we lose family members. It's difficult when we lose people who are older than we are our own parents it's difficult when we lose friends to accidents and things like that but to be a parent i mean it's you know i mean obama that you know the whole conversation about 
guns. And to your point, my frustration is that every time something like this happens, people say, what are we going to do about the gun legislation? And our administration says, this isn't the time to talk about that. Right now, we need to honor our own broken hearts. And yeah. they're right. And he's right. Except that... Do both happens afterwards. Do, nothing happens afterwards. And then it, another thing happens, and then it's so it's never. So what? We're ne- it's never time. It's never yeah. time. You know that's the. But somebody, do, yeah, somebody brought up a good point that one person had one failed attempt at a shoe bomb on an airplane, and we all take off our shoes now. This there have been sixty one mass shootings since since Columbine, and the, nothing has changed with the legislation because. People are such pussies to piss off the gun-loving crowd. Yeah. And so I think, strange. especially now with a second-term president, step up, yeah. show your balls, and do something about it. Make it harder for people that are mentally ill to get guns. Make it harder for everyone to get guns. There is no reason anybody should have a, an autom- like an automatic weapon. There's no, the, like an Uzi. That's, there's there's no nobody to reason. hunt. The only there's people you hunt. No, no reason. None. Yeah. It's, it's really bad. And, and, and I mean, just to go back to, you know, what you were saying about being a parent, you know, that I just, that's just something that everybody I know. And I don't have kids, but I love kids and I love working with kids and, yeah. um, you know, everybody yesterday, I think, had that feeling of just like, where, yeah. where is my child? I can't be separated from my child right now yeah. under these circumstances. And you don't have to have a kid to understand the value of human life and how one, and wonderfully innocent these children are. And to do it, to make your point like this is the lowest. It's gross. It's so disgusting. Well, it's just, it's it's so broken that it's it like yeah. it's coming from such a broken twisted place that it just feels like words to describe a a sane person's choice to do that just don't even seem like they well, there's I don't think apply. it is a, it's like there, it how, doesn't apply how could sanity even enter into this no it doesn't you know I don't know how sanity I mean I don't know it's like I don't know what the where you cross the line between like, can you be a sane person and have no morals or ethics? Or is there something tied to like sanity? Unless I don't know that you can. I think that I think, but I, but which then you are not a sane person. I think if you take morals and ethics out of it, yeah, I don't know. Like, are you just a bad person or are you insane or are you mentally ill? I think most people, if you look at, I don't know, I've always been a very positive person person I have been like I always I just assume everything's going to work out I don't have this I people said when they became I know have friends when they became parents they were like I'm just so scared all the time that something's going to happen to them and and I've never had that I've always been like they're going to be fine everything's going to be fine everything's going to work out for the best and I and I do truly believe that inside that everybody is is starts out good yeah. That that circumstances it, but so I don't know if you have a lack of if you have no morals and your and no ethics. I don't know. Is there is that? I feel like that's maybe something inherently wrong with you that maybe yeah, is not wrong with different yeah. and would be probably classified as mentally ill. Yeah, and oh, and just and to kind of broaden it out to what you were saying about yourself and about. Um, 
the sort of positive outlook. I mean, does that something that you feel like you got from your parents? Did you feel like you're operating in kind of opposition to your parents? Were they? No, they didn't. How do you feel like that connects? They didn't. I, I think I was, I was very lucky growing up. My parents, uh, my dad was a, a seminar leader. He was, if you know what Est was, or it is what is Est turned into the forum. It was like the kind of first self-help seminar yeah. that people went to, and he was an Est leader. So he's all, and my parents are hippies, and my mom is, a, you know, she was living on Hawaii, was a hippie, working at a health food store, I, um, and so. It was all very long hair braids and you could do whatever you want in life and take charge of your life and you create your own reality. And, um, and I know it because I, my channeler told me like, that's, that's so positive and that, and that's, that's sort of like soulful ambition, but it feels like, like I love that existing in sort of a bohemian world, but it's interesting how that same attitude can also exist in a very like money centric sort of like yeah soulful way too so it's i nice think when you see it from somebody who works in a health food store was like yeah. come true. <laughs> Make opposed to, like donald trump saying it. yeah you know i'm saying like it has a different i, I mean i think that it, the interesting thing is uh, you know my dad i know he helped a lot of people and if you there's a certain crowd out there that it, if you say his name, they'll be like, oh, my, he's like a, a, a rock star to them um, because he was the they was this is like they got together and did ropes courses and trust falls and stuff. But what the, they were the first people that were doing that. So this was like blowing people's minds to do like a bungee jump something. I mean, they didn't do that, but it was stuff like that. It was rock climbing and. Um, zip lining and stuff when people didn't do that. So yeah. these people had to confront their fears in a very physical way and it brought a lot out of them and changed their lives in a great way. But then at the same time he does, he moved into like corporate workshops and it, it, so it works in that way too. Yeah. Um, but I was raised in much more hippie household. We were up in Marin and I have a great picture of us my mom and my dad and my brother and myself and everybody's tan and everybody pretty much has matching blonde bowl cuts and my mom and dad <laughs> are wearing thin gold necklaces and we are should you not in the hot tub <laughs> it's so, i'm four five my brother must have been six and we are just like tan and family of four in the hot tub kids are cute everybody's good looking like it was a very classic marin picture which is you know northern california bay area yeah kind of hot tubs and peacock feathers <laughs> uh. <laughs> it is it's sort of like it feels like maybe a helicopter ride away from laurel canyon in some ways know, like there is a little bit of like listen Joni mitchell has got her ranch house mm -hmm. in marin and then yeah. she scoots down you know like she pops over to big sur and then she hits oh, laurel yeah. canyon and records some Don't records yourself. we were hanging out with i have a picture of me and my brother with john denver <laughs> like, <gasps> that was the crowd that was the crowd it. you know wool socks oh, pulled up to your D. knees with your loafers on and oh, your my, short my, shorts my. everybody looking good and that is fantastic yeah. are they still up in marin my mom is yeah, okay. my dad and, is in uh, up closer to Lake Tahoe in Nevada City area. Okay, and, and is still that in California? Is that uh, is that where you went to high school too mm -hmm. in the, in the North Bay? Yeah. Um, what was your high school like? My high school—it's interesting because Marin 
and especially my high school, it's a bunch of old hippies that moved there. And but they were rich hippies, like yip, yip, so do we call hippies, those yippies, hippies. Yeah. I think you call them. But where I ended up going to high school was mostly the kids of the the parents who you know owned the crystal shop and uh, you know played the flute on the street and. Really were into photography and hiking and, uh, <laughs> and had such and a my picture. best friend's dad worked for the Grateful Dead. So he had the best weed, you know. Oh, yeah, he did. Um, so everybody, it was a pretty mellow. Scott's real in oh, here. No, like, Hi, doggy. Yeah. You're cute. It was an interesting high school experience because, you know, especially and I think about it growing up here, not growing up, but my kids growing up here in Los Angeles what that high school experience might be. I was looking at pictures and I mean, I basically dressed like a fat rapper. (laughs) Not in the way that like, I like, but like in the way, like oversized sweatshirts and pants that I have a picture that made me look like I I was (laughs) enormous. And I was, you know, I was like 105 pounds, five foot 10. And look at that. Yeah, I, I, same. Yeah. Same. I have, uh, I, I, my version of fat rapper, <laughs> yeah. my version of fat rapper, as these guys know, was like, like Goodwill clothes. And, oh, yeah. And, and, and some of them, yes, were like, create like the dress I have on, like more sort of like fashionable, yesterday. yes. 70s. But, um, a lot of it was like wool gabardine old man pants Ooh. waist oh. 36 inches those are belted good up have giant like they're just giant and voluminous maybe you taper the cuffs yeah. Yeah. with your like with your vans boots yeah. or your vans or your docks and yeah everything just like billowy you know sort of and, I, and i've gone back and we were and looking wondered, good and we were looking super looking good, good. super stylish mm-hmm. was it a combination of like you know the style at the time for sure but also a little bit of like body self-consciousness because i definitely appreciated that like i don't think there was ever a point at which i was like i wish i was showing off more of my body no i really was like very happy to i was so confident just let everybody not have any sense of like what my shape was underneath those clothes i didn't feel like i needed to show that off at all no there was nothing in me that needed to show it off and i you know i wonder is it because you know everybody looks in the mirror and they see one thing they see what they want to see or they see what they don't like and like i remember being very at the same time, super insecure. I always, you know, I had to, I stopped smoking pot freshman year because I was getting, I got so insecure and I would get paranoid that everybody hated me and I was so stupid and so ugly and all these things. But, and so once I stopped that, I actually was very confident in high school. And I just, I think I wore mascara, but I again dressed like a fat rapper and like I felt good. I felt attractive. I felt all these things and I didn't feel the need to show it all off. Because I thought, I looked in the mirror and I was like, all right, looking all right, doing okay today. Yeah. Now, if I were taking camera phone pictures of myself all day, I wonder now, would I have changed? Would I have started, like, if we had all these instant, oh my God, look here, where you instantly feel bad about yourself now, like, oh, I thought I was looking so good today. Yeah. And I look terrible. Really? Because the camera does. It's like you have the opportunity, unfortunately, with people's pictures of you or your pictures of yourself to immediately see not like when you look in the mirror, you're 
you're making eye contact with yourself and you're sort of seeing the reverse side of your, you know, you're seeing your face the way you're used to seeing it. You can sort of you're still have that looking at yourself. Yeah, you're, yeah, and you're not. You know, I mean, sure, we all, no matter what, we all turn around and like look to see how big our butts look and stuff. If I you're never a girl. Did. Oh, I, <laughs> I, never I think. Did. Well, I, I guess I do now. I, I, I don't know bony, that I did. Like I was yeah. so self conscious about being too skinny. Yeah, I, I think I don't remember thinking that I had like a big bum until I was in my twenties. But, but you um, still checked it out. But I still, yeah, I, well, I mean, I, yeah, I guess I was like, yeah, this is all right. Like, I'm, I'm cute. Um, but uh, although I definitely always had cellulite. Like, I just got that from my mom from when I was like but in where did you grow sixth up? grade in Tucson. In Tucson. See, I don't know if it was the same for you. And my parents did, did a good job. And within my friends, it just, that wasn't the being pretty thing. That wasn't the most important thing about my, you know, with. That wasn't never the most, like, I don't know. It wasn't important. It was, imp- yeah, you felt you wanted to be pretty, but it, but being pretty and like the daily quest to be pretty and be attractive or to take a good picture was never important in, in my group of friends or in my school. Yeah, it was I other think, things that were valued. I think there were groups of people that I could have been friends with who would have, you know, made a bigger deal about that. But I do feel like I was, that's a good point because I do feel like I was lucky to have a group of people or made the choice, you know, subconsciously or yeah. consciously to be around people who were as interested in, I think even some of it even could be other superficial stuff. But like, if you like dressed weird or had like cool style, you know, yeah. that could be as important. Or if you were, you know, really creative and some other way that could be as important or kind and all that. But I do think that there were, there were groups of people that, that maybe it was it a was bigger important. deal too. But I would, it was funny because when you just said that you, maybe you wore mascara, like when you looked in your mirror and had kind of a positive response to yourself, I remember feeling like, to use this as an example of like what was considered to me like a compliment, okay. I had these glasses. I, I wore glasses to see the blackboard and stuff um, in high school and I loved my glasses. And I remember someone told me, <laughs> someone was like, you kind of look like James Spader. <laughs> and now <laughs> I was like, thanks. Oh my God. I'm super into that. Like I was totally pl- Best delighted. compliment ever. Best I was totally delighted. Ever. I didn't even, it, I didn't for a blink at it for a second. Like whatever my self-confidence was being told that I look like awesome. Uh, he's a handsome guy, you know, uh, he yeah. was, especially then like he was, he was in his like mid twenties yeah. and he was just like right. kind of pretty in pink, pretty in pink, you know, and sort of even maybe even after that, you know, he was doing these kind of like sexy movies like white palace. And I remember mm. being like, yeah, he's just, he's good school. He's a sexy guy. Like I don't mind looking like James Peter. So, you know, That's but awesome. if somebody said that now, I don't know what I would think. I'd probably be like, all right. No, you go home and cut. (laughs) Um, Listen. You know, I I don't know. I think even at my school at the time, I know later it changed. Like my sister, who's five years younger, went to the same high school and her friends worked at BB and they all had skin tight clothes. And like, I remember looking at her going, you're in high school. How are you so good at putting on makeup? I like she knew the contour and the shadings of the eyeshadow. When I was in high school, like the cheerleaders were dorks, and all the pop none of the popular girls wore makeup. Everybody was still kind of hippie. Is like people didn't blow dry their hair in the morning. Nobody owned a curling iron. We when we got ready for dances, we had to go to like my friend's mom's hair salon just to figure out how to blow dry our hair. Like we were a bunch of hippies. 
And so no, there was nobody at the school making the looks thing. Yeah. Or the, like the presentation standard. of yourself, making that an important part of being popular and being considered pretty. Was I mean, I think like school? the really hot girls. No, it was a public school. Uh-huh. Um, I think the really hot girls, you know, that was when we were wearing um, unitards and like big baggy jeans. Yeah. And I was like, oh, <laughs> looking good today. Yeah. And then you put on a hoodie. <laughs> like, yeah. All right. On. Good stuff. Looking good, girl. God, that is yeah. good. I think, and I realize now that that was a unique experience. Yeah. I see friends' high school photos and when they were cheerleaders and I was like, and now knowing what it takes. Yeah. Like being an actress and sitting in hair and makeup and going, you put your hair in curlers every oh, I day can't before I wrap my school? head around that. I can't wrap my head around that just in like... For t- and I don't know if you have this experience, but I like to throw on a little makeup. I'm not going to pretend like I'm the actress who walks around Hollywood with not a stitch oh, God, of makeup no. on, oh, God, no. unless she's you know. But there is definitely I like I don't know, and I don't. I'm this isn't shared by a lot of friends of mine who are who are actors, but I am so impatient about the process of hair and makeup, and I associate so much with work now that I don't even like going to get my hair cut. I'm like, oh, yeah. I got to sit in the chair. Like, it feels like that's sort of, I associate it with work and I don't really want to do it on my day off. And I don't yeah. ever want to like go get my makeup done by someone else or spend uh, an inordinate amount of time really putting this together because it just feels to me, I associate it with like, I resent yeah. it a little bit. I, I associate it. it with work. I certainly don't understand the existence of, there are certain celebrities, you know, that I think every single day have a team of people put them together just to go out, you know, like the Kim Kardashians and the like maybe Jessica Simpsons at one point. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I do like getting my hair cut, but only because now that I have kids, it's like a nice grown up time away. I get that for where sure. Where I can just go and like, I think my, my hairdresser understands that like, I don't always want to chat. Sometimes I want to just sit and read a magazine. Yeah. And have some uninterrupted time. That makes sense. That totally makes sense. Yeah. I have to pay for it. <laughs> I pay for that time. <laughs> Very expensive. Uh, yes. Interesting. So your parents, uh, you're, at the time when you were in high school, your parents mm. were together and now they're not? No, they broke they, up. They, wa- they got divorced when I was 14 or 15. Um, and it was really hard. I was telling somebody this, I don't know, just last night that like, I didn't, my mom said to me, well, what if dad, and I'm, you know, I thought I was like pretty smart. I thought I was pretty smart, Uh, smart kid. Like, you know, I was at the age where I pretty much knew everything. Uh, Of course. And my mom said like, well, what if your dad had his own apartment that he would like sleep at? And I just, I thought about it. I said, you know, I don't think I'd like that very much. (laughs) I didn't get get it. That that's, oh, meaning that's probably actually already happened. Right. Uh, And then, yeah, they got divorced. But did it surprise you in terms of like, were they? It did. Because when you hear about, when you just kind of described your upbringing, it's possible that like, I mean, it doesn't necessarily sound like it created, it would create the same kind of crackling static that like non-hippie parent, you yeah. know, that there might be some wor- work no, around. With they like- dialogued a lot. Okay, they did, they, they did a lot of dialogue. Um, but my dad was, 
he was doing corporate seminars at the time. So he was traveling three weeks out of a month. So he was just not there very often. Yeah. And that just seemed like, all right, that's just what we were doing. But I can't imagine now that I am a married person having my husband be gone and I'm raising three children by myself. Yeah. Um, and then being the kind of guy that he is and was, um, he's mellowed out a lot in the past like 10 years, but he's a really hard, hard guy. Nice guy. Meant the meant well all the time, but I could imagine not the easiest. I can't imagine now that they were married for 18 years. That was weird to me now. Like they're such different people and I can't, it's weird that they pulled it off for so long. That's how I feel about my parents. They weren't together yeah. nearly as long, but and I barely have any memories of them together. But even still, the fact that yeah. they were together a handful of At years all. before they even had me is like, yeah. are you sure? It's interesting. Really? I was, um, my high school had these integrated learning programs that a lot of schools do now, but this was the first year of the program was when my parents got divorced. And I was so frustrated with the program that I would go in the bathroom and cry every day at lunch. With the program. Uh, For sure. So it was frustrated with school. <laughs> and I, took, I, I did not realize what was going on until probably almost out of college. Yeah. That I put those two things together like, oh, I may not have been sad about that particular learning experience like that I put together that that was what was going on at the same time what did what was the program like that you kind of ended up making it about that it was kind of make it about that it was a project-based program where we would be studying like um the revolutionary war and we would get together with a group of four of us and we would have to um do like make a video so we learned video it was an arts it was a communications program so we studied video and theater um, economics, history, and I think maybe literature at the same time. So we would read a book and we'd have to do a performance, like a theater performance about it. And we'd be working on one, like the Revolutionary War for one semester or one quarter, something like that. And we'd have to do all these different kinds of multimedia. That's a lot of focus on one topic. it is, but you're but you're reading a book about yeah. the Revolutionary War, and then you're doing a video about a different aspect of it, or you're do, you know so um, there was all sorts of different lessons in it that would spring from this, but it was all integrated, and so there, and you're spending three periods, three or four periods with the same group of people and the same teachers, and there was just a lot of growing pains for them to figure out wh- what was working and what mm-hmm. wasn't. Um, did you, and did you get, did it feel frustrating? Like with like socially in terms of the intimacy of the, of those relationships, but I, I value it so much now because I think it taught me, you don't often, it's like those childhood friends that you have to hang out with all the time and you have, and you learn to love them almost because of how annoying they are. (laughs) You know, that's how I felt about my roommate freshman year. Right? They're terrible. So annoying. (laughs) But like, they're hey, that person's my friend. Yes, that person is the biggest dork in school, but that person is my friend. Right. Because and they're terrible. I agree with you. (laughs) But don't you fucking say a word about them because that terrible, annoying dork is my friend. It's so familial in that way, right? It's It's like don't talk about my mom. Don't talk about my little brother. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of good in that way. Were, is, was there any sort of like um, religious uh, aspect to 
the way your parents raised you, or was it atheistic, or was it just uh, so, like you never talked about well, it? Well, I mean, my parents had like, a channeler, a guy who channels past lives. Yeah, li- I didn't mean you know, gloss over that. Lives. Let's talk about the channeler. Cha- oh, that's ch- what a channeler does. That's what a channeler does. It's this guy, Jack, okay. who channels uh, the being Lazarus, and my mom would have like conference calls with him, and they would go away and do all that. It was all very much... Don't take this I, the wrong way. I'm going to lie down for a second because my lower back's been tricky. Do it. Uh, it was very much seen. like you create your own reality and fairies and spirits. And, fairies even. And like, fa- well, Wait, just fairies that, like, fit into past lives? Well, I think they. my mom thought there was... It's a lot of the stuff of a lot of other religions. You know, it's just like yeah. there are angels or spirits that are watching over us. And so you always have somebody. You're not alone. You're not alone. Yeah. And there is... They were great believers in energy and positive energy that you put out there in the world, and which basically boils down to do unto others as you would have them do unto sure. you. Sure, and I, and I do believe a lot of that today. That you know, when someone with a terrible energy walks into the room, it affects you, totally. and it affects everybody. Totally. So, and the same happens for with positive people, and they're just people you want to be around because they're wonderful and they they make you happy. So put that energy out there in the world. Yeah. And that can only trickle around and ripple around. And if we all focused on that and treated each other kindly, that would, world would be a better place. That's lovely. It's not a, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the devil or hell or any of that, but I do believe that we are not, I don't know. I'm trying to think if I've, if I've talked to anyone on the podcast who has, and this sounds like I'm making fun of someone, but I, I, I am entirely not. But I don't think I've ever. I don't think I have many people in my. I may. Ha, I may have Christian God believers in my life in the sense that they they believe more in, in Jesus than I do, um, which I think is a lovely. I mean, Jesus is a lovely guy. Um, I have no idea. issue with that. But what I was going to say is, I'm trying to think if I know of anyone who really believes in the devil, and I don't know if I do. I mean, maybe some of my, probably my Mormon family believe in Lucifer, but it's interesting because I think a lot of people I know, even who espouse the more traditional, like parental male figure of God still have sort of let go of the idea that there's like a devil or a hell. Yeah. Well, we you live know? in Los Angeles, you know, like, there's just some, this American life on that was talking about some crazy church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, who didn't believe in the devil anymore, and all the people around in the community were free- legitimately freaked out about that. Yeah. There's a very large population that, that certainly believes in the devil and, and believes that if you don't believe in the devil, and in hell especially, I think it's hell especially, yeah. that you then go down a very wrong path. Yeah, he's and, gotcha. It's almost like he's gotcha. Yeah, like, if yeah. you don't believe in the devil, then it's because the devil fooled you, you and now you're... Yeah. Yeah. And what, yeah, what's holding you together? What's keeping you from doing terrible things on this earth? Like, really, the only thing that could keep you from doing that is your own fear that there will be repercussions in the afterlife and you'll go to hell. How about it just feels better to not do evil things? How about about because you're a moral person with ethics? Like, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's an interesting thing that I was, I've just never been that interested in, in proper religions Mm -hmm. to the point where it's not like I needed to go. There are people that really, you know, want to research all of them and find out everything. And I've just never, never had the interest. 
Yeah. I don't know a whole lot about religions and I yeah. don't know a lot of the specifics about what other people believe. Whatever they believe, I respect that and leave that to them. Yeah. Did and you guys I, celebrate the holidays and stuff? We ce- yes, we do celebrate the holidays. We're you know, I'm not making, I mean, you, by the way, I'm not oh trying no. to make you out to be like a part of some kind of weird cult or anything Listen, like that. Listen, I'd like that. to I'm play just... the flute for you later. I'm going to change it to my bathrobe yeah. and I'm going to braid your hair and play the flute and <laughs> stare into your eyes. That's great to me. I'm totally <laughs> because my friend's into dad it. got some really great weed, Janet. That I'm going to have to shut down because for the same reason that you did, I can't smoke pot. Like no. people who I've not been able to smoke pot since I was 18 and people who are like who love it and I get it. Um, of course, I don't think they started so young. They probably didn't start so young. Good point. And also, did they have the experience with marijuana the way we did where like pot was pot and you could have some really strong strains and some weak strains, but there was none of this like, oh, this has less THC and this has more and this is for your physical pain and this is for your Nobody ever anxiety. tell me, don't worry, this one is a good mellow one. Right, right, or right. this right. one makes you super hungry. Like, right. Yeah, and so nowadays people are like, oh, yeah, no, I've definitely smoked pot where I've had like panic attacks, Janet, but I smoke pot now that my, you know, that I have a medical prescription for that is super mellow and like it will not make you have a panic attack. And I'm like, it's not worth it. It's It's not worth worth taking the chance that I will take one puff and feel anything negative. It's just not worth the risk. Every five years, I'm at a party. And someone's because I think it smells delightful. Yeah, I like it smells good. And every five years, I think I can do this. This could be the time. I can do this. Yeah, I am confident. I'm happy with who I am. I have a nice life. (laughs) I know these people are my friends. These people like me. Yeah. And then I will take like two hits, and then half an hour later, I will leave. Because I start going, I can't. Did I just say that? Oh, my God. They're looking at me funny. It's terrible. (laughs) But, and I do attribute it to smoking when I was way too young, when I was so insecure, when your friends kind of do hate you and they are (laughs) judging you. And, uh, but no one at the, you know, when you're 14 years old, no one hates you as much as you hate yourself. And I would get stoned and just freak out. And then we would, Mm. we did it so much because that's what we were doing. That then it was like, I can't, I just, it wasn't even a choice. I could not do it any longer. Which is the, which is, but leading up to the point at which it wasn't a choice and you couldn't do it anymore. And I'm sure I've said this before, but the fact that as a young person, I definitely have said this before, but the fact that as a young person, there's something that everybody's doing. Talk about like, I mean, all of the cliches that I just roll my eyes at my parents over. Like if someone said we're going to jump off a bridge, would you? Yeah, And you just cannot, (laughs) you do not have time to hear any of that bullshit when you're little which is but, yeah, or when but you're it's... younger when you're a teenager or whatever but the truth is just in your description of that it's like my god i continued to do things i didn't even enjoy because everyone else was doing them and i yeah. thought that i was like i i thought i was pretty nonconformist, and i thought i was pretty oh, like yeah. i'm in charge of my life and i'm you know like you i'm gonna dress yeah. like a fat rapper i'm gonna look in the mirror and feel like great about myself and I oh by the own, way I yeah my own, yeah I create my own reality yeah. that's what it was all yeah. the time in my house and oh by the way why am i staying up out late all night on lsd when i didn't really feel like doing that Oh, I guess maybe oh, I, felt like I am influenced by my friends. <laughs> but you know what? I Like sometimes yeah. I did, sometimes I didn't. Well, whether I did or didn't, it was just going to kind of happen because yeah. if enough people had decided that's what they wanted, then like, I guess I was going to do it too. Yeah. So 
you I know, was probably the pusher in that sense. You were the pusher. You were like, Let's well, like, do but it. like, yeah, because we were in a hippie high school, so it was like we just did mushrooms or acid on the weekend. That's what we did. Got high, yeah. and then later on, it was like ecstasy and raves and all of that. I had kind of quit by the time, like, when I was in college and raves were sort of happening it was i was already kind of like i can't do this stuff anymore i already became like an old lady oh i didn't go old lady on that i am now i'm very much now but how do you, you know, feel about thinking, the idea of your kids huh? going through that phase? i it's going to happen maybe who knows i have met a grown-ups just recently who have never done anything and yeah, i'm too. like how did you get how yeah. how did that happen i have friends who were like it's just not interesting to me but you know april richardson who's yeah. on the podcast has never been drunk or anything. She's like, I don't need to. Like, I just don't, I don't like the taste of it. And why yeah. push past a taste I don't like to get a feeling that I might or might not enjoy? Yeah. I admire that, that they are secure in themselves and secure in the knowledge. I didn't have that. Um, I, I feel the way that, I don't know, it did me good, I think, to experiment when I was in high school in my parents' house with rules and curfews and people that I had to be accountable for to face to face on a daily basis because when I got to call like you know we drank a lot in high school and we partied but I had a job the next day that I had to go to I went hungover sometimes but but I went I had dinner with my parents and um when I got to college I knew how to do my schoolwork and I knew how to be in the theater program and also go out and hang out without overdoing it and I had a lot of friends who developed some very serious drinking problems or drug problems in college and were on academic probation one semester, then off the next, and then on the next, and off the next. Um, and I learned to party responsibly in high school. And But at the same time, I have kids, and I don't necessarily want them doing that. But I guess if they're going to do that, if that's the way they start going then I will try to do what my parents did. And they knew, I don't think they, they didn't know the extent of it, right. but they knew that we were drinking and they would, you know, I did call my mom to come pick me up one night. And it's nice and that you felt like me. you could, yeah, it's nice that you felt like you could have that communication with them where you could reach out to them if you needed to, or, yeah. you know, without, without feeling like, Oh, this is, I'm in serious trouble. Yeah. They were, you know, I think my mom was the second person I told the first time I had sex. I know she was the first person my sister told. That we always had a very open communication and and really didn't feel judged by them nice. for that. And it was nice. Yeah. And I and I hope I have said thank you to my parents. I know I know that I have. We've had conversations about what it was like growing up and they were always very honest. They said, "You know, we're going to make a lot of mistakes." And we're, but we want you to know we love you and we're trying the best that we can. We are doing the best jobs we as people can do to be good parents to you. You're probably going to want to get therapy at some point in your life to discuss the ways in which you feel we have let you down because we're going to let you down. Wow. I, lo- I mean, it's that's not amazing. intentional. They, yeah, mom, they I love this that conversation. It's nice. It was a, I think a lot of people. There's, it's that thing of growing up when you realize your parents are just people, yeah. And they really tried to tell us that early on that yeah. we're just people I think trying my the dad best we did can. Too. I I remember him being very emo. He was very emotional, 
and um, my mom not so much. And, and I remember my dad, when we would have arguments and stuff, like nine times out of ten, they would end with him kind of weeping. Oh, and That must and have been an crying, interesting... Both of us sort of crying and him being like, I hate fighting with you. I just... I don't set out to get in these arguments with you. I want to be a great dad. This is hard. I feel like I'm kind of on my own here because my mom was, we just didn't have this. A, a did you ever get mad at him for crying? Like, um, did you ever like judge him for yeah, that? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I feel like, I think of the things that I got, of the things that I was like shitty about with my dad, it wasn't ever that I always appreciated how emotional he was I guess if you didn't have it on the other yeah side yeah yeah because my mom sense. really wasn't my mom yeah I like it's so funny the way you I mean you, it's so easy to like kind of pigeonhole when you have a certain experience sort of pigeonhole like okay let me make this easy for you my mom was the unemotional one who yeah. didn't trust me who thought I was just like a shit my dad thought I was amazing and we you know watched movies and cried together and were best friends of course it wasn't that simple yeah of no. course like you know I probably like didn't deal with shit that I felt about my dad or anger that I felt towards him I probably took it out of my mom because it was, was easier yeah, yeah because I didn't want to have both of them be the bad guy at that time in my life or whatever and so I think it was oversimplified. So it was like this idea that uh, my mom, I'm always going to let my mom down. She's always going to assume the worst. So that's her. And then my dad's going to think I'm great. And, you know, of course it was not that simple. But um, but I think that's what, you know, you sort of do compartmentalize or put things to your point, you know, like yeah. what, whatever you're feeling now, now at this age or when I was in high school. I might have been feeling something about one thing and it came out somewhere else and I and I could never have made that connection. You no, know? you don't. You never have no made idea. the connection. Uh, it's interesting because I think, you know, I with having two girls, that mother-daughter relationship, like, oh man, we are in for it. Because <laughs> I see my older daughter, we butt heads and when we yeah. are going at it, she's only five and a half. And I already see like, oh, we're going to have some... <laughs> I know. She I, gave and she gave me after three days of like showering her with love and attention, like snuggle fests, reading, a special lunch. We got in one argument, and you haven't been nice to me in oh, forever. You're never nice to me. And I'm like, oh brother, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. That mother daughter yeah, relationship. I'm worried so about tricky. it. I just um yeah I I'm. I think, and I think because of the way that I remember being towards her and the way that I thought of her and the way that I think I feel like I let her down in that way because like, bless her heart, like imagine going through a divorce where you want to be in the relationship and your husband doesn't oh, and you lose that. And then the one thing that you think of as like the best thing out of that relationship Go turns sides, on you turns on you and is like, Ugh. it's me and dad now. Daggers. Mom. Like daggers. daggers. And so I think one of the reasons that I ha- that I haven't had kids is that I think there's a there's and it's something listen guys, I'm sure frankly, I do talk about it in therapy because yeah. I think it gets in your head and it really is like I don't want to I don't want to be on the the receiving end of that. It was hard when I was a kid. It must have been really hard for my mom. I don't know if I want to relive it on the other side. And I and I've hoped like I thought to myself, like, listen, if I do have a child, I really hope it's a boy because at you least d- it'll be like a different dynamic that I can't. If you have a kid, you just insured you just insured yourself having a girl I just know, right here. I, know. I just want the world to know. I- that you have just insured yourself a girl. No, but but I don't. I think that's something that is that is wasted fear. 
like to be quite honest because I mean I'm sure you're right we make just the fact that you're aware of it and you're scared of it means that you are going to fight like hell not to repeat it and there I had a conversation with my mother-in-law my my husband is one of six and they are he's the youngest and they are Irish Catholic and they're very traditional and I but she's rad I can talk to her about almost everything and um maybe be more open with her and honest with her than she can be with, with her daughters because there's that relationship is so emotional. But we were talking about parenting and I said, you know, I was just thinking about the ways in which I want to parent like my parents and the ways in which I don't. And it's been an interesting ride for me as a mother to say, Oh, my parents did that. And I really, my mom did that to me and I really don't want to do that to my kids. So I'm, trying like hell not to. And and I think it's generational where she's a little older than my parents who had the like Marin hippie experience where my husband's father was like the principal of the high school and she was the stay-at-home mom with the five, with the six kids. And, um, and she just commented that, that it kind of blew her mind. I'm not saying I'm a mind blower. I think it's a pretty pretty basic thought but that she goes you know I I just never thought about that that was never something that entered my head I think there are so many people that just automatic parent you just parent the way you were parented because you didn't you never thought it wasn't good or bad it was just just no choice brought up yeah Yeah. but parenting is is just like a marriage you know it's just like any relationship it's a series of little choices you make and if you're conscious about or not you're not going to always be conscious about the choices and how you're treating them and what you're doing it really instincts take over but at least if you're thinking it yeah checking in with it i love that i mean i love what you said about it being like a marriage and, and choices i think people that's something that that i that comes up for me all the time is really feeling like you you want to as much as you can with all avenues of your life sort of check in with the fact that you're making a choice and that you have yeah you have a say in you what that experience say. is going to be for yourself and for other people because we do kind of fall into this place where we do go on autopilot or we're so inundated with thoughts and feelings and, cho- and and choices and we feel overwhelmed by the choices and all that stuff that we start to feel like life is happening to us yeah you know and uh, i do that all the time i have to constantly it's a muscle i have to constantly be like i can make a different decision in this situation or yeah. in, i could make a different big big picture decision in this situation that will drastically alter how that what this outcome is rather than feeling like i guess this is just happening to me yeah you know I have this weird thing that, and this is the hippie in me, um, that happens, and that's a real check for me, is I will have a really vivid dream about driving drunk, or I'm in the car with somebody driving drunk, or like just fucked up in some way, like just drugs or whatever, and it's like the car is out of control. And someone told me a long time ago that in dreams, like watch out for vehicles. If you're in a vehicle and someone else is there, like a real symbol of your life and what's going on. And if you're out of control, if you're driving, that's a good thing because you're in charge. Yeah. But when I have these dreams of driving drunk and like like crashing or somebody else is driving drunk, it's like this real check for me. Like, oh. I need to kind of get back in the driver's seat and take a clear look at what I'm, at the choices I'm making and what I'm doing in my life 
it's this weird thing that happens and it really but it stuck with me that I pay attention to it it's so interesting to have that yeah I love I love the fact that your own understanding of that and interpretation of that in the dream might be this kind of conversation that your brain is having with your soul in a sense that yeah you like know maybe that, it's that, creating yeah like you need to, my, yeah, exactly yeah. i love to that i love that you're getting a message from yourself from myself like, it's really cool pull your shit together pull your shit and also together. stop drinking so much stop wine. driving drunk. <laughs> stop, stop driving drunk driving your life drunk. i do also i wake uh, up on those mornings i wake up i'm usually in jail yeah. Oh God. This is taking a very literal twist. I guess I wasn't anticipating that necessarily. No. Um, I do want to ask you a little bit about yes. some of this marvelous stuff that you brought oh, with you. You brother. already showed me a picture, a headshot of you from um, when you were a little bit younger. Um, and then here I have, I have, and I will put this up. I have a picture of us to show my fat rapper stage. This was the first, my husband and I went to high school together. Oh, you did? Yes. And this was our first date. Oh my There's God. There's a picture of me and I've, fa- that's what I wore. That was a date outfit. I mean, it's just you, the biggest sweatshirt you could find. It really is. I, looks, I haven't, br- you know, so maybe brushed cute. my hair in days. I also love, like, just the old, the couple of pictures that you've shown me, and I don't know if I'm over, huh. I might be overstating this and overgeneralizing, but I love how, like, far away people are in so many older pictures. Oh, yeah. Like, you can be, you can take pictures so close now, and you have such a strong sense. Yeah. Like that, like this one. Like, you are so far, so away, far away from the camera. And then... And it's not like there's necessarily something else in the picture, guys. This The picture of the first no. date is really just, like, some mossy grass and some, you know, like, leaves, some fallen leaves. And it's not, it's not a whole, it's not like a full-size picture of Aaron. It's, like, from the thigh up. Yeah. But... <laughs> there's like it, it's she's she's so much further away than she needs to be yeah. considering like that backdrop is not anything you really need here to was see. another there's there's here's one of when me and my mom went on a trip to mexico and this is when we went down to the beach and i'm gonna tell you i thought i was looking good this day and i'm wearing oversized shorts a baggy like sleeveless <laughs> tank top and tivas <laughs> Oh, I love it. You are looking good. Looking good, man. You're looking great. 16-year-old. Oh, that's fantastic. High tight boobies. Oh, the Tevas. Um, Fantastic. And then then here's something that we just didn't do very well because, you know, you couldn't. You had to wait a week, two weeks to develop your photos. Yeah. That we would take like glamour shots dressed up. Yeah, I've got a couple of those. You know? Yeah. So it's, you know, me looking oh, look really at your deep. meaningful expression. I look need to this take one. a picture this of this even so I can a better put it on meaningful the expression. <gasps> so, yes. so deep. Oh, and then I have a great. journal. And I was trying to find this. Oh my God, you did poem. the same thing I did. Oh my God, your journal reminds me so much of my old journal. Cut we out totally pictures. would have been friends. Total, oh. oh, you Here's guys. There's a picture of a tiger and then one of Kate Moss. Oh, if you will let me take like some. I, I, oh, I don't this even is have brilliant. to take. Uh, oh, I scribbled you. and then I wrote fuck you and then I wrote this weird little oh, face and then this. I wrote angry and drew it oh arrow to the mean little face this is <laughs> that was so angry I am gonna have to show you when we finish this I'm gonna have to show you some of my journals I would love literally to. if you like just tucked in this journal to my journals I would mistake this for mine yeah I totally would oh god oh my uh, god this is making me crazy right I now I found what and it was like weird little Oh my god! I have, you know what? I'm sorry. Go I have to pause it. this really quick because I have to go get this because it's just. Uh, I'll be right back. I just grabbed two at random. They're both like Monet. They are, <laughs> Monet. and mine is a Monet. Monet. Mine is Monet as well. Water lilies. This is making me lose my oh mind. My like, 
Look, oh, pictures cut out. Pictures cut out. Oh, like totally. we were friends. Yes. We were friends, oh. and we didn't even know we were friends. Oh, look, like, oh, it's exactly what I did. You oh, put a picture of you I and a friend, mean, and then draw around it. It is. This is like we're like it's we're amazing. the same person. I found here. I found a poem sting, that I wrote. Sting. Oh. sting. Sting. Oh. You had much better handwriting than I. You have amazing oh, handwriting. Listen, thank you. I wish it were. It doesn't even look like this anymore. I guess this, get this back is probably to like a match burn had. or a cigarette Ooh. burn. Something w- in here. Like ridiculous. I, I have- would put like quotes at the top. Like um, everybody ends up kissing the wrong person. Good night. Warhol. Oh. I don't even oh, remember man. liking it. Oh, God. I have letters. Um, this is fantastic. From other people. You know. Oh my God, Peter Gabriel article. Peter Gabriel, <laughs> God, gotta get a Peter Gabriel. Oh my God, Indigo Girls lyrics. Oh my God, I haven't even Keeper looked at heart. this in like the decade. I know I haven't. I have like runes that I had picked to figure oh. out what you know with college, man. Oh here, oh, I made a collage God. that, oh, and then I cut God, out words that say, guys. "Does it feel good?" <laughs> oh God, guys! I know that it's not the same, not being able to have the visual effect. But if you, you just take could pictures. understand, we have to take some pictures because they're yeah. interchangeable. Um, they're okay, so I found a poem. Oh, please, please read me a poem. Here's it's this. This is it was like you know what I can only call like a spoken word kind of poem. It's just freestyle, it. man. Freestyle. And at the top, I wrote a Fat poem. Rapper. I don't know, and there's all these question marks around it. I'm just gonna go to like the middle, please. Um, here, oh. Uh, Okay, wait, where do I go? Oh, don't do it. Don't close yourself off, turning the keys and locking my heart away from the minefields of love. Where can I step? Should I take the path which I know is safe or do I risk hurt, pain, rejection by opening up? I could get blown away. (laughs) Fragments of me spinning, tumbling. Where do I turn? I collide into another. Is he the one? I take the plunge. I jump. Fear feeling for ground. I've never walked this path before. There is no light here. No map which guides the way. (laughs) I am trying. I'm laughing all the way through. Oh, this is the best one. Take the necklace from my neck. I can no longer wear it as a symbol of woman. (laughs) (laughs) I'm 17 years old. Do you not? Oh, God. oh my God! I, I haven't love looked it. at this for years. This is amazing. I, this yes, I couldn't agree more. I don't. <laughs> I, now I'm like I've never read anything like this on the podcast. I've never read any of the stuff that I've written. <laughs> you haven't. You I never have. It. I can't even believe I never have. But I definitely never had. Um. Oh, it's so is, great they're so great I know we could just get lost sitting here and just have a Judy Davis if, I have a picture of Judy Davis apparently what? I loved Judy Davis um this it's hilarious. is ridiculous it's all about like boyfriends and then there's fun I have a letter here that I wrote to my boyfriend who uh, at the time who is now my husband of like I can't believe you guys you know, are going to get that we're both, so- go- we're both going to Mexico and who knows what's going to happen um, so maybe we should just take a break. <laughs> oh, P.S. We're getting married. Yes, things worked out. Um, I, I just saw something that said, I stayed home from school yesterday because of phenomenal cramps. Ooh, phenomenal. Phenomenal cramps. Um, I didn't do, this was like really the only diary that I did. I didn't, I was never a big diary person. I just I clearly had, I don't know. This one may not, I, I don't know. It could be that. 
Uh, oh, this is a song I wrote. Yeah. So this Ooh. is like a little bit later when I was really into like my songwriting and stuff like that. So oh, more writing and writing. less drawing. I had it like when I was looking through this, I was like, I was blown away by because now I look back at it and I go, you know what? I had a happy childhood. Yeah, I was I had other than the divorce, which happens to a lot of people. There yeah. was nothing tragic yeah. in my life. I feel very blessed and very lucky to have had the upbringing I brought. But boy, was I sure in a lot of pain and angst well that just speaks to what we all we go through we we go through it even if we don't have like some kind of really specific traumatic event we still feel so much and we feel so i have to remember that i'm trying to remember that just with my kids right now i do remember trying to think of like that's right childhood is such a roller coaster. What did you find? Oh, Janet has just really. I, found, I uh, just found a song. Oh, I just please need to read quickly some lyrics, read the lyrics read because it's very short. It's called "To Make You Understand." Oh God! I yes. saw you in my dream again last night. Oh. I can't even say it. Yes. I saw you in my dream again last night. Oh. Do you want me to read it? Oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can't okay. get through it. I'm too ashamed. I saw you again in my dream last night. A phantom king wrapped in his cloak of night. In tears I saw you laughing with delight as the wrong, as all the wrong I did was made to right. Is there a way to make you understand I'd rather dream of you than hold your hand? Oh, Jim. I guess it was a breakup <laughs> song. I think I wanted to break up with my boyfriend at the time, clearly. Yeah. Yeah, I'd rather dream of you. I saw you in my... Tr- Upon your face, a mask colored black and white concealed. You saw me laughing with delight as all the wrong I did was made to right. Oh, yeah, you Apology did wrong because you probably broke his heart, man. I think I did. Or you were about to. I did break up with a guy in college who did not take the breakup well. And by the way, I got my heart smashed and stepped on too. So, But um, I broke up with him and... <sighs> He, my roommates, this is my freshman year in college, I think, or my, my sophomore year, my roommates, um, my roommate left to go to his class in the morning. This is in an apartment. And I guess maybe he didn't lock the door. I don't even really understand how this happened. Okay. But all I know is I woke up in the morning after I had like two weeks after I'd broken up with this guy, I woke up to him on my bed what like not under my covers but just like i was was under my covers was he petting your head he was he was (laughs) holding a flower in front of my face i was so creeped out this was in college yeah my sophomore year in college terrible choices people make when they get broken up what was he thinking he was just thinking bless his heart this is gonna he understand i'd rather dream of him than hold his hand god maybe he never heard the song phantom king wrapped in his cloak of night I couldn't. I can't. That's, I couldn't even say the words. Oh. I couldn't get the words out. Thank you for reading that for me because I couldn't get those words out. Take the necklace off your neck. Oh my god! <laughs> no longer you wear can't. it as a symbol of woman. <laughs> so gross. So terrible. So terrible. All right. It feels like it's time. It's yeah. feel, it feels like it's time to play a game of mash. All right. All right. Um, because I'm intrigued to hear. You know, it could be a combination of uh, of like. You know, if you were, if you're you now playing like this okay. kind of teenager or younger person game, I'll do. Okay. You can pick. Yeah. Well, you can pick whatever you want. You can pick a representation. Okay, of I'll pick some. Uh, old, I'll pick some old, like old, old ones you and, and new, new ones. ones. Okay, I love it. Um, I'm going to start because I don't want to forget with one of the uh, categories that a listener actually suggested, which I loved and had huh. never because I'm always trying to think of new mash categories. Ooh. And so she sent me in the mash category of 
uh, if you could be friends with someone, like just someone awesome that either teenage you or oh. you, you would have loved. Like, I wish I could be friends with Oprah or I wish I could be friends with Stevie Wonder or whoever. Okay. Who would be, or like a fictional person, like uh, a character in a book that you love that okay. you just like, that got you through rough times or someone on West Wing or anything like that. Um, three people with whom you would, you wish that you could be like, it's like your fantasy friend. Okay. Um, Ani DeFranco love it that was that was one like had like those dreams of being of just we're just hanging out man we're just hanging out yeah she had um, that kind of vibe too my yeah. my my roommate uh in san francisco when i was in my 20s was obsessed with ani like to the point yeah. where i there was no room for me to even like her because yeah. she just like loved ani so much i, was like, I don't no worry, i'm not gonna no take room. her away from you yeah this is mine. um okay ani. Ani franco um any one of the beastie boys right everyone knows and, you had the wardrobe uh uh, yeah, <laughs> um, who else? Uh, you know what? Agatha Christie. Oh, I love it. I read every single book, I love and I just it. like wanted to know the person that was writing all these books. Like, what is your? What are you? It would like? be amazing to be able to write mysteries. I think. Yeah, I think that's a great. Uh, first of all, what a great trio of people! I wish they could all be at yeah. a dinner party that you hosted <laughs> right? as well. Yeah. Um, uh, three uh, men uh, that you would okay. like to I'm gonna, marry. Okay, I'm going to go old school. Yeah, Ricky Schroeder. Love it. Um, oh, silver spoons. Silver spoons, right? And then, oh my God, John Taylor from Duran Duran. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Someone recently picked his brother, Roger Taylor. So, oh, but he's still oh, up for grabs. Don't oh, worry. John Taylor's okay. still up for John grabs. Taylor. And then who? Oh, my God. I had. But I'm going to go with Jason Lee before I knew he was a Scientologist. Great. He lives across the street from me. Oh, my God. And then I'm going to go for Jason <laughs> Lee right after there. we live here. <sighs> there was a while he where he right was really there. just he I was agree. it for me. Yeah, I agree. It's not anymore. It's yeah. Not anymore. Yeah. But, I'm go- but since we're going old school, I love it. It's a good in between too. It's a good like. Yeah. It's not quite high school. It's a little bit after that. Yeah. But um, I totally get it. Like chasing Amy. I time. think a lot of people a were, after. you know, depending on how you feel about Scientology. But I think a lot of people were like, really Scientology. Same with Beck. Like, oh, really Beck? Yeah. Okay. Really? Yeah. All right. Um, no judgment. <laughs> Clearly judgment, no judgment, but no, no judgment. judgment. Um, okay. Uh, three. Let's do three places anywhere in the world that you could live. All right. Uh, this is not such a far-fetching thing, but Lake Tahoe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is beautiful up there, isn't it? I haven't been up there. I used to go up there all the time when I lived in San Francisco, but yeah. it just seems so far away now. Um, New York. Mm-hmm. And then let's say, ooh, the Virgin Islands. That's oh, this is nice. never been. Had a really lovely family vacation there when I was younger. Never been. Love it. How about a, a mode of transportation maybe other than a car? That could okay. be kind of a fun thing for you to tool around in. Oh, in high school, my mother's boyfriend at the time had this, off, there was an offer of a scooter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I just had to get my license. And I couldn't get my act together to get a scooter license. And yeah. I could have been, when I lived in San Francisco, I could have been scooting, scooting around, over, scooting sure. everywhere, <laughs> scooter. You could have been scooting um, it up. A, um, let's just say an uh, old school bicycle with yep. the, you know. Maybe a, a basket. Cruiser. Yeah, a little cruiser with a basket. Right. And 
I mean, the sky's the limit. You could say you could say Pegasus if you want to. And then, and then, just give me some fairy dust. Great, so I can fly. But never a motorcycle. Yeah, I was thinking about that when I was riding my bike last night. I thought, I, I, I do love the feeling of just moving fast on on something small, like being exposed to the to the elements, but. I could never. No, my like, mom used I, to. Just, they're so dangerous, this, and it's dangerous enough that I'm on my bike. So my my, de- my mom's ex boyfriend, same boyfriend, used was a the head coroner of Marin County, Oof. and so he would just tell me stories about where he found brains from motorcycle oh, accidents, brains God. outside of people's bodies, and yeah. that and he he did his job well. Yeah, pass. I have told my husband no. Period. Not ever. Never. 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 Sorry, never, never. Never. I know. I know. Almost to the point where they should be illegal. To be like, yeah. Um, let's do uh, three like talents that maybe you do oh. or don't have. Like, yeah, th- maybe three talents to do something that you don't necessarily know how to do now. Um, I would love to be. There's part of me that would love to just be really accomplished, uh, like cl- trained dancer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've got mad moves on the dance floor. Yeah. But I cannot back it up with technique. Got it. We get you that um, technique via mash. Uh, ooh, ooh. What about prestidigitation? Um, that just blows people's minds. Digitation is the longest is the and longest most sophisticated one. way of saying close-up magic. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to be able to prestidigitate. And I would like... Um, I would like the ability to just be able to speak whatever language I mm-hmm. wanted at any point I wanted without yeah. having to actually study all those languages. Yep. Um, I just called you a prodigy. Natural language prodigy. Uh, natural language prodigy. Uh, let's say... Oh, God. Can there be four? I want to play the violin. Oh, no. violin? Yeah, I'm going to throw in a fourth. Okay. Why not? We're making up our own rules as we violin go pro- I'd like to be a violin prodigy at 36. <laughs> People will still describe you that way. Yes. People will still describe you that way. Um, let's do uh, let's do one more. Let's do a okay. pet. A pet. Uh, we pet. have allergies in my house, so I just like my dream pet is a cat. Yep, it is so Great. simple. I would also like to have maybe two bunnies running around. Oh, my home I love because it because you have to have two because they like to be friends. Yeah, with each they other. need the company for sure. And then a tiger cub. Great. Um, by the way, there is a picture of a tiger in Aaron's journal. That there was really one of is. the uh, cutout <laughs> pictures. Maybe I'll take a picture of that. Uh, help me remember to take a picture, a couple of snapshots okay, um, of our journals. Okay. Uh, tell me when to stop. Stop. Okay. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten. I'm putting on pause to you, listeners. It will be a bit of magic. Not to be confused with prestidigitation. I'm pausing this. It will seem as if no time has passed. All right, here's the thing. I got to get this out of the way because a lot of people have been ending up in a shack lately. <laughs> and shack is like the most emotionally painful outcome. Oh, hey guys, it's me, Janet. Listen, I got to apologize for the interruption, but um, we just discovered that uh, my microphone cut out right as I was reading the rest of Aaron's MASH results. Uh, I can't believe we made it all the way through an hour and 10 minutes of a podcast with audio problems at the beginning and now audio problems at the very, very end. 
it's an audio problem kind of a podcast episode. I apologize to Aaron for this, but here's what I want to do. Um, my mic, I guess, cuts back in right at the very end. Uh, so I'm just going to read to you the results that I'm reading off to Aaron, but you literally can't hear anything. So you don't know what she's responding to. This sucks because MASH is like my favorite part of the podcast now. So I just want to apologize again to everyone, but uh, know that the witty repartee that was existing between Aaron and I uh, was in respect to the fact that she ends up in a shack. Uh, she lives in the Virgin Islands. She is married to Ricky Schroeder. Ani DeFranco is her best friend. She scoots around on a scooter. And she has two pet bunnies. And perhaps the most important part is we can all be very happy that Aaron becomes a violin prodigy at age 36. Um, I leave you now to the remainder of the podcast in which you can actually hear what is being said. And I seriously do apologize. What a mess. Um, Aaron was very funny and charming for all of the stuff that you missed hearing. It was exactly two minutes of missed uh, dialogue. Guys, I'm sorry. I don't know how many, many, many more times I can apologize. You know what? Let's do it one more time. I'm sorry. You've done it. You've created <laughs> oh. a whole new world for yourself. I didn't even ask you like about kids. This is a situation which no. I've not even given you the option of having children. You no, just, you know uh, what? And that's kind of nice. You've just got a whole other life. This is my, this is my dream life. In the Virgin Islands. You know, when I was a kid... My brother had a girlfriend and he gave her a necklace and then they broke up and she gave it back. And I took it to school and said that, because I lived by an abandoned like train station and I said that I met a guy down there and his name was Ricky and he gave me this necklace. I made up a Ricky Schroeder boyfriend when I was in third grade. No, no, no jokes. That is amazing. No jokes. (laughs) No, we're not joking. That number one is amazing. Yeah. Number two, it reminded me of when Young Guns 2 was filming in Tucson and I went and took a purple scarf that I had and tied it to the door handle of Christian Slater's door and wrote him a note that was like, I just think you're a wonderful, like... And I'm sure I put God. my phone number on there. Like I would, love... you know, I didn't hear from him. It's weird. He That's probably weird. The, the note probably That's blew weird. away. But the, the note probably blew away. The the thing is, is in our lives here in Hollywood, there is a chance that at some point you are going to run into Christian Slater, and if you don't ask him that question, I will punch you in the face. <laughs> I will 100 percent ask him yeah. the question if you promise to give Ricky Schroeder the necklace back that he never gave you with the poem. About how you can no longer wear, wear it as the a necklace. symbol of woman. Aaron, this has that been is. such a joy. So Thank fun. you so much for doing the podcast. I'm so um, glad we ended in laughter as soon yeah, as how we started I, in tears. I wanted to uh, see if we could move through that, not because it doesn't uh, deserve uh, a lot of introspection and a lot of emotion, but because um, it's nice to celebrate uh, kind of where we come from and and uh, and our lives as as young people and our lives with our, with our children in your yeah. case. So um, thanks again for doing it. And uh, and guys, I'm going to take some pictures right now of some of this stuff so that you'll know what we're looking That's at. Great, thank All you, right. Janet. Bye. <laughs> As always, the JV Club theme song is Before We Were Brittle, courtesy of the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.